Welcome to MRUN's podcast, episode number 45. This is your host, Suman Silwal. So for the new runners out there, this may seem, uh, you know, just kind of odd to say this, but make sure that you know how to run. This episode is brought to you by SoutheasternTrailRuns.com. Please visit MRUN's.com to get 5% discount on all Southeastern Trail Runs races, including Lake Martin 100, Run for Kids Challenge, Birmingham Stage Race, as well as Blood Rock 100 events. I'd like to welcome Dr. Bo Beer to Emron's podcast. Bo, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Suman. Uh, you're welcome. How, how's the day going? Uh, do you run in these days? How's your running going? Uh, actually, running's ramping up. Uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing yet, but I signed up for the Rut 50K, which will be probably my big race for the year out in Montana. So I'm kind of trying to peg a couple of races before that to help me and getting back out there and running. Had a few injuries last year, but... Uh, yeah, it's going well so far. Uh, we'll discuss about detail about what you do. Mm-hmm. Were you a runner before or athlete? Uh, so the field that you get in and got in help you to be who you are now? Yeah, growing up, I would definitely not say I was a runner. Um, I ran, you know, I sprinted. I ran a little bit because I was uh, mainly a football player. I mean, I played basketball and baseball, but all the way through college, played football and anything over a mile was just torture. So, um, and then I moved up to Alaska after college and lived with my sister for a little while. And she wanted me to run a little local 5k with her. And towards about the last quarter mile of that 5k, I got passed by a mom with a trike stroller (laughs) in the last quarter mile. And it just, uh, (laughs) kind of fired (laughs) me up to never get beat at least by my mom and a trike stroller again. Uh, so I started running and I was lucky to live in Alaska. So I got to hit up some of the local mountains and a lot of the trails and that really got me uh, liking trails versus just kind of pounding the pavement. And after I lived in Alaska, I went to grad school, which I'll kind of talk about in a minute, but I went to grad school and I started signing up for some local trail races and won a few and uh, mainly stuck to the shorter stuff, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, 15Ks and that lended towards my old sprint background. But like I said, I'm now just kind of delving into a little bit longer stuff, which I'm going to see if I if I like that or not, this is a this is a beta test year, so I'm gonna do some longer stuff and see how it goes. So I, I wasn't a runner, and now I feel like I'm a full fledged runner that also treats runners. That's a that's an excellent um, part of what you do because you you you're not only a runner, you run really fast. I have seen you. <laughs> uh, those trails, you're running really fast. Give us like a personal background, what you do, and how how you how you, you just mentioned that you treat runners how you end up t- treating runners and what do you do yeah so a uh, little little bit of a backstory so i i'm a chiropractor sports chiropractor but i actually broke my femur when i was about 10 years old playing football and i have a titanium rod in there till this day so i had some really not so great rehab around that injury that left me with a lot of like limping and just things that i didn't realize would affect me like they did later in life at the time so that's kind of what spurred my journey into what i do now is kind of like the sports chiropractic and injury rehab world so i i ended up meeting a chiropractor that was actually a olympic silver medalist in judo and she kind of helped me get back to playing sports and actually you know played sports in college and then ended up going to grad school and i know immediately when i went to chiropractic school that i wanted to go into the sports world so started you know i was racing at the time doing some little local races and that was kind of my patient base in uh st louis where we went to grad school and i you know i just kind of got fully involved and went on and got my along with my doctorate in chiropractic got my master's in sports rehabilitation and then i've went and done a lot of uh continuing education 
not directly as it applies to runner, but I would say that's 90, 95% of my patient base because, as you know, you've seen us out at a lot of races. We like to go out and work the races and make sure that we're helping runners that may have minor injuries out at races and also do some recovery work. But I just like, uh, I like being surrounded in particular with the trail community because it's a very, a very fun, uh, somewhat competitive, but it's just different than, uh, running as you can attest to, I'm sure that it's just everybody's super welcoming and that's kind of what actually helps for our business. So that's kind of my battery, how I got in field I'm in and how I started treating runners and it's just organic there. And I mean, now we, I do everything, treat runners in the clinic all the way to work with runners out on the back on an individual basis, kind of getting, I, I call it kind of bridging the gap from rehab to performance. Like we're, you know, we may maybe over that initial injury, but our running is still not where we or keep getting hurt when we run. I'll go out and work with people on the track or, you know, just go run. That's kind of fun too, but I get to put on my uh, running hat instead of my doctor hat sometimes. Definitely. Well, I, I remember meeting you and, and Dr. Salon, your wife, at uh, uh, I think one of the Butts uh, Barely Ultra that was, mm-hmm. I think, I think it was inaugural year, and uh, you guys were just moved in town from from your school college. How, why did you choose Birmingham? What was the reason <laughs> you wanted to come to Birmingham? Because I know both of you are from not from this area, so yeah, yeah. We actually, I think we've told you the story. We broke down in Birmingham. Uh, my wife Sloan, uh, the other doctor in the practice, uh, she's from Tallahassee, Florida. And we were coming from Tallahassee back to St. Louis and we broke down in Birmingham and we had a really, uh, what could have been a bad time turned into a good time. And out of that, we kind of started to just think that Birmingham was a, was a unique fit for what we do. And, uh, you know, it's the Andrews clinic is here, uh, St. Vincent's and just seems to be a very sports oriented community. So we decided to take a chance and Sloan got a job opportunity and believe it or not, I thought I was going to originally be working in a clinic. And then, uh, when we moved down here, that opportunity kind of faded. So that's really what got us thinking about opening our own business. And now we were coming up on our third anniversary of the farm, which is our clinic, uh, functional athletic rehabilitation and movement. And we're three years into business and, you know, it's just kind of been a lot of just like just like running a long race, right? One step in front of the other sometimes and uh, things have just fallen into place and we've been really lucky and we love Birmingham and I don't think we we could have picked a better place even though it was just kind of ha- happen chance at the time. So it's kind of cool. That's a really great story. I, I don't remember hearing that story about you guys are breaking down here. Um, talking about farm that you just mentioned, tell us uh, about what kind of... Uh, treatment uh, do you do specifically for runners what kind mm-hmm. of injury common injury do you see uh, that runners come through your door yeah so we're a little bit different uh than you know we always like to say we're a hybrid of a chiropractor and a physical therapist of us having you know both a doctorate and a master's in two different fields and uh so when you come into our office uh, you know, the treatment techniques that we use, obviously we use chiropractic adjusting, a lot of different soft tissue techniques or myofascial release and really heavy into kind of movement education, pain science, and then injury rehab, which could consist of, you know, anything from, you know, working with kettlebells to working with bands to different, just, uh, pain alleviating movements. And then we do a little, I think a lot of runners are familiar with like kinesio taping and we've taped you a couple of times, I think out at a race, uh, yeah. to help you try to get through. 
Yeah, you did. And, Especially yeah. Lake, Lake Martin last year, Lake Martin 100. <laughs> <laughs> I was suffering. You made it. You made it. Yeah, thanks to you too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we we have a lot of different tools to pull from, and when it comes to runners, I mean, runners tend to suffer from more what we used to call overuse injuries or chronic overuse injuries. What we are finding out is is runners tend to become what we call like sensitized. So it's if you, I equate it to this, if, uh, if I cried wolf too many times, you might actually start to believe me instead of the other way around. So sometimes our body's like that. So sometimes we just need to get a runner to do different movements, which you may all also call cross training. But a lot of what we do is just kind of treating runners as uh, more of like you know, you're okay. You can continue to run. I'd say that's one thing that we're very unique on is we tend to not have runners take time off running which runners tend to like, you know, most people don't want to have an injury and be out for, you know, four, six, eight weeks. So we try to find really novel or unique ways to keep people running without going further down that injury path. And I mean, we've all as runners probably dealt with things like plantar fasciitis and shin splints and patellar tendonitis and it definitely, you know, trail runners all the time, in particular IT band syndrome. And these are all things that, you know, I think we're very adept at handling and everybody is a unique case. Uh, you know, it's that's one thing that I would say if I had a common or like a one good piece of advice for everybody listening is, yeah, the, the, we put out a lot of videos on YouTube and uh, we want to educate our patients, but you also have to realize that everybody's different. So what may work for you as far as like a foam rolling technique or a stretch may not work for the next person. So I think sometimes people get a little frustrated. You know, they, they've tried all these different things that they've read in a magazine or seen online. And by the time they come to see me, they're like, well, I've done all the stretches. I've done all the foam rolling. It's like, well, let's make sure that we know what's going on first. So we always start with a really good exam and then make sure that we're treating the person and not just uh, the person as a runner, if that makes sense. Definitely. Definitely. That makes sense. I remember uh, when I was when I started running uh, earlier, every pain used to be injuries. That's what I used to think. You know, <laughs> I was like, OK, this is my this is this the end of my running career? I was like a month into the running. So, <laughs> oh, how that, that changes, though, doesn't it? Especially yeah, definitely. Races. Yeah, yeah. The, the, once you get to the distance race running, you will realize. I mean, when you get experience, now I realize the pain that I have. If it doesn't go away after a certain period of time, I know I have some sort of injuries, but and then I have to back out from whatever I'm doing. But that's a really good point. You know, that's really, to be honest, that's one of the most common questions we get: is when do I know that pain is something to make me stop? And I think kind of what you said is a good a good way to look at it. If it's something that persists and you're maybe trying some different things, that's when you start to, you know, question, should I have somebody look at it or take some time off? If it's something that you kind of run through and you're like, ah, eh, it's a little bit better, you know, maybe it's just something that you can work through on your own. Yeah, definitely. When I first feel that pain, I try to back it up, back it out and see, see if it'll help. So sometimes it goes away and most of the time mm -hmm. it goes away. So I mean, I got all kind of injuries, but. They kind of go. <laughs> <laughs> we all do at yeah, some point. Definitely. So as we look look at this, uh, like I mentioned, people like me would would just start and, and uh, finding every pain as injuries or 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 not really. It is an injury or whatever. However, when is when do you think they have to seriously consider going to see somebody, or it has? Do you have to do it long before you even get those pains? Well, I think it's a it's a two pronged approach. So a lot of my, 
my patients and the runners I work with, especially once I've worked with them on one injury, they kind of realize that maybe like if you get that inkling that, hey, maybe this isn't just soreness or, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, a day, a fleeting pain or I, I really ramped up the volume or did a speed workout and I'm sore that they realize the sooner they get into somebody like me, um, the quicker they can get over whatever they're dealing with. Now, on the other end of that, I also see people that, and you know, that, that typical type A runner, very determined, don't want to take time off that they try to run through stuff that is pretty serious. And again, a piece of advice, if you run through pain for too long, you're going to alter how you run, which makes sense. You know, you may have, and you don't even notice it, you know, but you're changing your gait, which then the fact that you're changing how you run and changing your gait can also cause other issues. So it's, we don't want to go down this, uh, this tunnel of the first injury leads to alterations in gait and compensations. And then pretty soon we're dealing with not just plantar fasciitis in my right foot, but left patellar tendonitis cause I'm offloading that right leg. So it's, it's a, it's a good mix of, uh, maybe prevention and prevention's tough, right? Cause you're going to go out there and turn an ankle. So it's impossible to say we're going to prevent injuries, but we can do a lot of things to help stave them off. Um, but if we can't have the prevention side there, which sometimes you just can't, it's, you know, sometimes you, you know, that register is tough. I mean, there's a lot of research, research being done on how do you get somebody to know that something's pain and not soreness and then also vice versa. Cause there are a lot of runners out there that will, throw in the towel too early, right? Like you said, early in your running career, it was like every pain was the end of the road and you think you're going to be done. And, um, so it's just, it's a good happy mix. And I think your, your more seasoned runners like yourself have a really good feel for that stuff. And that's why they're probably successful for a long time. You know, they're not letting stuff get away, but they're also not, you know, completely getting over anxious about little aches and pains here and there. Cause I mean, those are going to happen. Running is a, it's an impact sport. And if you're getting into the ultras in particular, you're going to have pain. It, depending on what camp you come from, we may or may not have been designed to be endurance runners, but I don't know if we were ever designed to run hundred miles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we were, but it seems to take a toll either way. Yeah. hundred miles is a different beast. That's, that's a podcast on its own. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but kind of that brings the point that I, w- I wanted to ask. And then something you mentioned a minute ago as well, basically, you know, a lot of us, uh, you know, we, we started a 5k, then went to half, then it's a pro- progression. And I, and now, and then we'll say, we'll never do next, like a marathon. And you end up doing that, you know, things progress, correct. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm like myself and I was never going to do hundred, but I ended up doing it. So, um, but the question here is, uh, how do you, how do we train to go distance and far beyond our that, com- comfort area? Yeah. And that's, that's a big question, right? Cause think of how many, I'm sure you get all sorts of stuff on your Facebook feed and in magazines of how many different training approaches there are and just how many different opinions. And, um, so that's the big question. And I mean, we do a lot of education in the clinic here and providing seminars and things like that on this topic. But I think if the, there could be a general thought of what, you know, we term graded exposure, which is basically just making sure that your body, if you had to look at your body as a machine, that your body is able to adapt appropriately as you add volume or you add more stress, which could be increased pace, more tempo runs, um, you know, whatever it is, different types of training. If you're training for, say, like a triathlon, you're adding and cycling. Um, as a human, our body 
you know, regenerates constantly, but the tissues in our body all regenerate at different speeds. So for example, to not get too sciencey on you, but like soft tissue. So our ligament ligaments, tendons, like meniscus and your knee, things like that takes anywhere from about 18 to 24 months to completely remodel. So if I'm going to go from a 5k all the way up to, you know, like, uh, we have a series here in Birmingham where it starts at like a three and six mile race and goes all the way up. Well now it's a hundred mile race, but it used to be a 50 K. Um, if I'm going to do that, I have to load appropriately. So that's graded exposure. And it's, I know all the runners out there listening have heard the 10% rule that it's no more than 10% increase in speed or volume week over week. If you're in say a like 12 week training plan for, you know, half marathon marathon which I think is a good rule of thumb, but we can also plug in, like I said, some, uh, some substitution movements and also continue to get more load and more exposure to the body. Things like, you know, really light cross training because, um, runners do need strength, especially if you're going to tackle some hills and stuff, right? So some light weights, some kettlebell work, some, you know, weight work. Um, we need some cross training and different, movements than just running forward you know runners just go in one plane so maybe things that challenge your body to move differently like yoga or swimming um you know that's why you know we we have to cross train as a runner not necessarily to help our running but to make sure that our body is adapting appropriately to the running and that's a big deal because you could follow the best plan in the world from the best coach but if you took their 12-week plan and tried to do it in six weeks you're still going to run into problems you know Got you. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great advice even for me because I don't cross train as much as I like. But um, because I look at I have a limited time, that's what I usually tell yeah. people. And, you know, I I have to log those miles. And um, so I have 30 minutes either I cross train or log miles. And you know what I'm going to mm-hmm. do. And so I'm going to end up running out. So so try yeah. to get try to get stronger. And but that's a, a leading leading on to this question that I have. We as a runner, and, and I can tell you myself, that we won't know till we actually go out and run it to know whether we can do like a 50-mile, 100-mile, even marathon, even 5K, you know. Along that way, uh, how do we not overdo it? What's our limit? I think that's my question is what is our limit? How do we know what is our limit? What is the furthest can we go? Is there a way to know without hurting ourselves or, or do we have to get go to that distance and fail? Uh, I think that's, I mean, that's an awesome question, right? That's, uh, I think that's why a lot of people do ultras in the beginning, right? It's just maybe that factor of, can I do it? And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now this year. You know, I've never run an ultra I've done every distance under, but to go into that realm, it's, you gotta, you don't know, you know, can I do it? So I think we know now from the work of like Tim Noakes and now Mark, uh, Anthony Marcora about like the central governor theory and like perceived exertion of how we actually, how our brain perceives fatigue and then how that's going to have a down, basically downflow effect on actual, uh, our body or how our physiology responds. We used to think that your body runs out of energy. We know now it's the brain that actually shuts the body down. So I think a good way to test your limits without necessarily running the distance that you're training for. And let's just use a 50 miler, for example. So say I've never run 50 miles race training, you know, whatever. Well, if I can basically tax my system in different ways and not necessarily just running, right? Because if you don't want to run 50 miles to go run a 50 mile race, we got to, we got to be creative. 
So that could be, you know, a mix of like we talked about before, a mix of, you know, maybe you get 75 miles a week and then somewhere in our crazy busy lives, we find maybe two days a week to do really high intensity interval training, which has been found to push the limits of our perceived exertion rating, which is the work by um, Gabbett on his, the PER of how you kind of like determine how hard did I work today? You know, like if I ran 30 minutes, well, it could be really easy. It could be really hard. And maybe as we get closer to that race before we go into taper, we need to really push the limits, whether it's speed work or more intense tempo runs to just kind of tell our brain, like, you don't have to run the distance you're training for. We just have to make sure that you can, you can run maybe half that distance, but it half of that distance. And say I go for a 20 mile run. Maybe the last five miles, I'm, you know, I'm going to go below pace of the first 15 miles to make sure that whatever I've got in the tank is more than enough. And I, I think a lot of training for these, especially ultras, is more overriding your brain's kind of uh, fear avoidance of the distance itself, right? And again, yeah, there's a multitude of components that go into it of nutrition and hydration. And I mean, you got to be smart with that stuff. And a lot of that just comes with the experience of the race. Right. And me not running an ultra, I would defer to you on that. But I mean, I hear it time and time again from runners that, you know, it may take 150 K to figure out, man, I made a big mistake at, you know, mile X about not drinking this or not taking a salt tablet. And that's that, you know, that's just experience. But I think to know whether to delve into that first 50 miler is just, you know, you got to train smart and it, it is logging miles. And I think it's logging smart miles with appropriate efforts and tempos and paces in place. One other thing I see me doing it, uh, I'm kind of bad on this. Uh, I uh, end up training pretty slow. And then uh, then when it comes to race day, I'm run, <laughs> running really fast. I say, you're pretty fast. Dude, so. yeah, I'm, I'm all with the back of the pack of training, you know. So I think I'm setting myself <laughs> for failure over and over. Uh, I, I need to uh, research this uh, whole idea, whether it's correct or not. I don't know what's your opinion on that. But I mm-hmm. train very slow. And when I'm out there racing, I'm running, racing really fast. So the whole reason is, relates to what we're talking about, is because I log so much miles and I don't want to get injured during training or you know longevities and all these things i'm trying to get to so running fast may cause that for me so that's why i don't push as hard during training yeah and that's kind of you know steve magnus uh talks about that a lot right it's your like the 80 20 rule like 80 percent of your training should be at a, a slower pace um much slower pace than we usually even think is appropriate and then 20 percent may be you know tempo runs and a little speed work um, I guess my opinion, which I think there is a lot to that. Cause I think a lot of us just like to go out and run faster than we should because it feels good sometimes, you know, you want to go out and kind of push it and you felt like you really did a lot of hard, hard work, especially if we're not logging a ton of miles. But I, my opinion on that is we, I think that that is correct. The 80, 20 rule, but I think that 20% needs to be far more intense than even, uh, we would currently think it should be not so much, uh, for like aerobic capacity, but more so for neuro, like neuromechanics, like how your body actually works when you run faster, right? Like your, your Olympic marathoners, like you're, you're going to see some fantastic runners when you go to Boston, the guys and gals at the lead of the pack, you know, they're dropping sub sub five minute miles, that's sprinting. Their mechanics are so much better than somebody that is running a 10 minute mile. 
and that's just the way we're, you know, we were, we're built, we're built to sprint instead of kind of trot. So I think the faster you run in that 20% of your training, the better your mechanics will get, which like you said, will help lead to less injury. Cause I think that's the one thing we see across the board is when we see too much slow paced training is that the mechanics of running itself kind of get depleted. We see decreased stride length. We see decreased hip extension and flexion and things like that, which can lead to injury for sure. Got you. Maybe I need to follow up that 80 <laughs> rule. I'm probably yeah. like 95 and 5. So. <laughs> hey, at least you're getting 5. Right? Yeah, I'm not even sure that. I only do the 5 <laughs> during the race. And if this week I'm training <laughs> For Miami, uh, pacing Miami Marathon, probably this podcast will be after Miami, but uh, I'm pacing um, 4.15, so I have to train faster for me. Like, that's 9.40. So that's faster for me for training. Usually my training is 10.30, 11, 12, you know. That's not, I think I need to change that a little bit, so I guess. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's all sorts of, like I said, it's a lot of opinion these days. There's a lot of research, but it also comes down to, I always tell people when they come to the clinic, running's really funny. Because we've been running, you know, since humans have been in existence, we've been running. But yet we still argue about the correct ways to run, the correct ways to train runners. You think we'd have it figured out by now. <laughs> but we, we just don't, you know. That's why there's just, you know, sometimes it works better. You know, Alberto Salazar may have his runners doing this. And, you know, Maffetone's over here doing that. And, you know, they they all work. But it's, I don't think there is any best. I think what's best for the person in front of you, you know. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but still, if I want to get faster, I think I need to have a little bit faster training. Maybe 80-20 rule I could yeah, apply. I think that's a good idea. Let's uh, switch back, bring the topic a little back to running injuries and farm, what you do um, for your for your clients uh, at your clinic. What are the common things that, that you treat? I think I asked that question earlier a little bit. Mm-hmm. I uh, think some of the common for me is uh, I, have, I see a lot of uh, friends and running friends they have is IT problem mm-hmm. uh, and um, plantar IT and a couple of hip flexors, some, some of those. I think those are the common issue. What kind of uh, things uh, runners can do uh, to prevent such a common running issue, everyday running issues? Yeah. I mean, I sound like a broken record, I know, but uh, uh, your our bodies, if you think about uh, babies, Babies are constantly falling down and getting back up and trying to move different ways. Uh, The older we get, the more we tend to do the same things over and over, right? Our job tends to be a lot of the same movements. We ride in a car. If if we're a runner, we tend to run, right? And running is, uh, that's just in the forward plane or sagittal plane. So if we tend to do a lot of the same things and we have any little inefficiency, so say I have a little... My ankle on my right foot, I've sprained it a lot of times and it's stiff. Well, if it's a little stiff and I do 70 miles a week, that stiffness in my ankle is magnified, you know, to the nth degree. And that stiffness in your ankle may be what's actually causing, you know, your IT bands and pain or syndrome due to how you're having to compensate around that. So in lieu of just painting with broad strokes and saying runners need to cross train, I would really say that runners need to, short of getting evaluated by somebody like me, is making sure that they're doing some sort of mobility or stretching. And I know most runners, you know, foam roll and do a little stretching, but I think sometimes we we don't know the areas we should be working on. 
So we know I'm a quad to get sore, so I'm going to foam roll my quads and stretch them. Well, if you, you know, if you can kind of pick yourself apart, whether that's, you know, reading articles or getting assessed by somebody that can kind of look at the way you move and, you know, somebody can help you say, man, did you realize that your hips getting tight because your ankles don't move very well? Well, you may be able to go light speed in the way that you work on your stretching and your foam rolling by working on your ankles and not having to beat up your hips as much. So I, I think it's uh, more about like as a runner, like you said earlier, you, you would love to cross train, but it's about finding the time. I think what we can do as runners to prevent injuries, to make sure that the things that we're doing outside of running, like stretching and foam rolling and any recovery tool, like an ice bath or, uh, you know, taping anything is to make sure that what we're doing is actually efficient as well. So make sure it's what we need and it's not just kind of something we read or, you know, we think is good. And, um, there's lots of really good resources. Um, I, I think our website's great, but there's the science of running, um, really, uh, Hutchinson's the last name I'm blanking on his first name right now. Um, sweat science. I mean, all the, like there's very, very good things out there. Your podcast, I'm sure has some great people that can, you know, be outlets for education for runners, but you've got to know your body and realize that if you do one thing all the time, you're going to break down right? It's just, that's the way we're built. So we need varied movement. That, those are the great advice and a great pointer on, on running, preventing running injuries. How can uh, our listener here can find you on the web or at your location? We're online at Cairo Farm and that's C-H-I-R-O-F-A-R-M.com. And then we're very active on social media. So my handle is at Dr. Bo Beard. And then my wife is at Dr. Sloan Beard. Um, and please, you guys out there listening, you can reach out, you know, you can send us a message, get a hold of us online, more than happy to help however we can. Definitely. And also, where is your physical location here in Birmingham? So we're, we're located on Highway 280. So our address is 215 Narrows Parkway. Um, so we're almost to Chelsea. I know it seems like no man's land to our Birminghamians here. Um, but yeah, we're right out uh, Highway 280 at the high, intersection of Highway 41. Definitely. And also, you you and Dr. Salone, both of you always on the different trail races and events that uh, around town. So, Yeah, we're constantly out working different races and all types of sporting events. So if you guys see us out, make sure you stop by and say hi. Right. Everybody, make sure that you go say hello. Before we close this interview, can you give a word of advice to a beginner runner, a veteran runner like me, for, for doing any, anything all possible to be injury-free? or at least injury prevention um, so that we can run run longer than, than we're supposed to. Or, yeah, absolutely. And also run, run farther, I guess. <laughs> so I always, uh, it sounds a little cutting when I say it, but I always uh, kind of joke with my patients that I, I don't want them to suck when they're old, right? I want everybody to be able to do what they want when they're, you know, in their 60s and their 70s. So for the new runners out there, this may seem... Uh, you know, just kind of odd to say this, but make sure that you know how to run. You know, a lot of people that get into running just start logging miles. Maybe you work with a, a veteran runner like Suman or somebody in your community that's been in the game so they can help you maybe on form or how to train and things like that. So that'll help you stay away from injuries. And for you veteran runners, I'm going to be the broken record again. I know you've, we've heard it five times, but if I can make my point, I guess that's a win for me. Um, we need to vary the movement. Uh, I think we see a lot of runners that I love to run. I would absolutely choose running over any activity, any day you get me on the trail. I'm a happy guy. 
but we got to do some different things to make sure that we stay injury free, but also our running continues to improve because we do need some strength and we do need some speed work to make sure that if uh, we're running a lot, that we're also running well as well. That sounds great advice. Uh, definitely, we need to keep on moving, not only in the forward direction, maybe in a different direction <laughs> as well. Absolutely, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for your time, Dr. Bowes, and, and, and the farm for all the help that you guys provide me personally during the races <laughs> through my pains and suffering. So, <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me on, Sumi. It was uh, great talking to you today. Thank you. All right, bye now. Thanks for listening to another episode of M-Runs Podcast. Please subscribe to M-Runs Podcast channel, Voice of Runners. Also, follow mruns.com's social media handle, Marathon Runs, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for recent updates, photos, and more.